0: The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who
1: we are. We have a quick testimony. Uh, for you guys. So I'm going to invite Pastor Chiba to come back up and she'll share this testimony.
0: Amen and amen. Well, we all know what the book of Revelation says, right? It says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. So testimonies are really powerful. And really the reason why we share these testimonies with you is to encourage you. And I believe the testimony that I'm about to share this morning is going to encourage someone here who's believing God for a manifestation of their healing. Amen. And so um, a, a member of our church, Ruth, um, she writes to us and she shares this testimony with us and she says, my husband, he was rushed to ICU on the 3rd of October where he spent 24 hours in ICU before the doctors decided to induce a coma, into him into a coma. And she says, when I heard, I immediately started to speak out loud the positive healing confessions that I'd learned at church. And and I did this all the way up to until I got to the hospital. And she says, when I got to a hospital, he was already in a coma. And the doctor, um, you know, came out and he told me that things were not looking good. He then proceeded to tell me that, you know, um, if I'd done my homework, I would know that when a person goes onto a ventilator, it's really bad. He said that only 20% of the people actually survive. And he said, look, we're going to have to wait for a whole week to see if his body um, would stop deteriorating and hopefully, he said, start healing itself. She says, I called my pastors um, to agree with me for his healing. And after um, we prayed, um, my pastors um, proceeded to calmly tell me, don't worry, MASH is going to be fine. My pastor said, Jesus is still healing in 2020. He's going to come back home. Amen. That's awesome. Jesus is still healing in 2020. And then she says, a few days into the coma, the doctor then um, calls me. And he asks me, have I told my kids what's going on? And she says, I have told my kids that their father is coming home and he's recovering in hospital. The doctor then proceeded to tell her, don't lie to your children. You need to tell your children the truth about what is going on. She says, something inside me, something inside me rose up and I told him that I believed that Mesh was going to be one of the 20% that makes it because Jesus has already accomplished healing on the cross. Amen. Amen. Then she says, by the day seven, the doctor now, okay, was all smiles and he was all smiles because he started telling me that my husband had made such a miraculous recovery Amen. that he himself could not explain what was going on. In his many years in the in the uh, medical field, he could not explain what was going on. And he proceeded to tell her all in smiles that he was going to take my husband off the ventilator. She then writes, "We went straight. We went from ICU." straight home. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I really, Ah. thank you, Jesus. And I really love what she wrote. Um, You know, Ruth writes at the end of her testimony, she says, it is our hope that this testimony may encourage someone to never doubt God's healing power, even though the physical circumstances are telling you otherwise. She says, we need to shake off anything and anyone that tries to get us to shift our focus from God's truths and God's promises, especially in times of crisis, because that will make all the difference. And then she says, thank you, Jesus. And we join her and we say, thank you, thank you, you Jesus. Jesus. Amen.
1: Hallelujah. Praise God. Such an awesome testimony of God's healing power. It's still available for all of us today. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get into it. Hold your Bible, your cell phone, whatever you're reading from. Lift it up real high and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. I'm Today, I'll learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same again. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing by Amen. Word of God, yes. so we started a series about three weeks ago talking about our salvation. We are saved by grace uh, only and not our works. We are saved and empowered by God's grace and not our own uh, works. And so last week was a masterclass. I think Pastor Chipo did a phenomenal job. Uh, she talked about what Jesus accomplished for us uh, on the cross from Isaiah's perspective. And so as we get into today's teaching, uh, we're going to look again at our foundational scripture, which is Romans chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first. And also to the Greek, for therein in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, not from works to works, but from faith to faith. When we put our faith in what Jesus did for us, Amen. He says it: uh, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The just shall live by faith." So we discovered that the word gospel uh, in the Greek simply is translated uh, the nearly too good uh, to be true news of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, what Jesus did for you and I uh, in light of where we were, you see, a lot of people who uh, want to save themselves or want to attain salvation through what they do in their own strength don't know how bad the situation was. See, when you look at how bad the situation was, you and I would... Run a white flag and say, hey, there is no way I was going to be uh, uh, saved from this through my own work. Scripture says when you are not born again, uh, you are blind. Scripture says you are dead in your trespasses. Amen? So there is no way to uh, for coming back to life without Jesus. Amen? Amen? Scripture says we are uh, foreigners from the commonwealth of, of, of the kingdom of God. All these things that describe our fallen state. Yet, when Jesus went to the cross, it says he gave us a new status through this thing called the gospel. And when you start learning about what Jesus did for you and I on the cross, it releases the power of God. He says, for in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You want to live your life in power? You want to live your life in a place of results? Man, get a hold of the gospel. I know the word gospel is used religiously, Uh, to define or describe anything that has to do uh, with religion. You know, gospel music. Some gospel music has no gospel in it. (laughs) Amen? Because gospel means it's got to be good news. Amen? Nearly too good to be true. It's close to lie. It's so awesome. It's borderline uh, lies, yeah. and it's descriptive of what Jesus did for you and I uh, at the cross. We didn't have to earn it. We were singing a song about God's reckless love, and we saved it through our own uh, 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 singing that we didn't have to earn it. Jesus earned it for Amen. us. Amen. Amen? Amen? He paid the price for us, and when you grab a hold of that truth, it releases the power of God. It, it makes you bold. It makes you courageous. Uh, you start winning in life. Amen. So last week, Pastor Chippo uh, took us to Isaiah 52, verse 14, which says when he was at the cross, Jesus, uh, his face, his visage uh, was marred beyond recognition, talking about uh, the payment that he made for uh, our, our healing, our divine healing. Amen. And if you go to Isaiah 53, uh, verse 4 and 5, it says those who looked at him thought that he was going through all of that because he had wronged God. They thought that it was leprosy. It was God's judgment on him. But he goes on to say in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. It was not his transgressions. It was our transgressions. He was uh, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So everything Jesus paid for on the cross gets to be deposited into your account through the finished work of the cross. And today, in the same breath, we're going to continue on, and we're going to start in John chapter number 19, uh, right where Jesus was at the cross. John chapter number 19, and I'm going to read from verse 29 to 30. John chapter number 19 from verse 29 to 30. And this is what it says. It says, Now, This is Jesus at the cross. And he says, Now a vessel full of wine or sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, which is also vinegar in other translations, and put it on his soap and put it on his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Someone say, It is finished. (laughs) Said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up the spirit. Now when Jesus said, It is finished, It's not a a Jesus uh, giving up on life. You know, like, man, that beat me up so bad. Ah, yeah, it is finished. (laughs) No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is doing. If you look up that word, it is finished, in the Greek, it's the Greek word tetelestai. It's probably the most awesome of the seven words that Jesus said at the cross. When he said it is finished, it's in the Greek tetelestai, which simply means paid in full. You and I had a huge debt of sin because of what Adam did in the garden that we could never pay with our own check card. It was that huge. Remember, you were a slave. Scripture says before you knew Jesus, you were a slave in the slave market. And uh, an interesting characteristic that define people in slavery is that they don't earn wages. So it didn't matter how much hard you work. If you're in the slave system, you're not gonna get a salary. So you can't raise enough bank balance to pay your way out of slavery. Yep. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amen. Yes. In fact, the door out of slavery has no handle inside. <laughs> the handle is only outside, and this is why Jesus said to be born outside of the system. He had to be born not of a corruptible seed of man, but the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Amen. God is the original scientist who found and uh, uh, discovered artificial insemination. I said that in the first service, and people were getting, oh, pastor, oh, you can't say that. in." Can I not say that in church? I can say that, right? He took the word of God and put it in Mary's womb and conceived Jesus. Amen. It wasn't the seed of a man. And so Jesus came into the earth without any sin or any blemish on him. And he lived a sinless life throughout his uh, 33 and a half years in the earth. Amen. And so back to what Jesus said on the cross. He said, it is finished. He said, total time. And this was a common word uh, used in these times. Uh, It would be used sometimes by servants or employees. When they are given an assignment, they get delegated a job to do. They would go and do that job. And then when they send an email back to their boss, they would say, uh, which simply means the assignment has been completed. And so Jesus, when he came to the earth, he had an assignment. If you read in John uh, 6 verse 38, he said, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So when Jesus went to the cross and did everything he did in the earth, he went to the cross and then he said assignment completed while he was at the cross. So that's one thing we see, uh, an application of that phrase, it is finished. Uh, Another group of people that would use this phrase, it is finished, were priests. You know, while they were performing animal sacrifices, people would bring animals to them and then they would look at the animal for spots, uh, blemishes or imperfections if the animal was flawless and uh, befitting for a, a, a sacrifice, they would say, Tertulis, die. And then they would take that animal. And when Jesus came to the earth, he went to the cross without any spot and without any blemish. And he was declaring our eternal redemption because now, this time around, it was no longer a turtle dove for a human life, which was not an equivalent. That's why it could only cover for their sins for one year. It was no longer a lamb and a human life. It was now a human life for a human life. And so Jesus obtained for us eternal redemption because he was the sinless, spotless lamb of God that came to take away the entire sins of the world. That's good news. Amen? Amen? If you go to First Peter 1 from verse 18 to 19, it says, for as much as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation or lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious, someone say precious. precious, you and I were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without any blemish and without any spot. Another group of people uh, that would use this phrase, style were artists. You know, when a painter or a sculptor had put the last finishing touches to the vivid landscape or a marble bust, he would stand back a few feet to admire the masterpiece, seeing in it that nothing called for correction or improvement, he would murmur fondly taterless die. And when Jesus came, he came as that final piece, that final artwork, the real deal to fulfill the types and the shadows that was are uh, pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament. All of the things that uh, were types and shadows in the Old Testament were not the real deal. You know, the holidays and uh, 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 keeping of the law and things of that nature—they were not the real deal. But they were pointing to Jesus. And when Jesus came, He became the finished artwork of God to bring bring men to redemption. And if you go to Colossians chapter number two, verse sixteen. So if you're taking down notes, you can write this down. All the Old Testament types and shadows, you know, the ram caught in a thicket, all those things uh, were fulfilled in Jesus at the cross. Colossians, chapter number 2, from verse 16 to 17. It says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holiday or of a new moon or of Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. In other words you and I as new covenant believers our focus should be entirely on Jesus and not on all the extra stuff that we try to bring in. I mean the church loved to add to what Jesus did on the cross but when Jesus said tetelestai he meant that the artwork didn't require any more correction or alteration it was a complete work. And so there's a group of uh, Christians in the body of Christ. They call themselves the Messianic Christians. They like to follow all the Jewish holidays. You know, uh, They even send me messages sometimes on Friday and say, Happy Shabbat. They won't even say Sabbath because that's too English for Jewish religion. They say, Pastor T, Happy Shabbat. And what I've found with most of them is that they always end up in legalism. some of the most legalist people I know, they always end up trying to keep the Passover, trying to keep the Turim. But scripture tells us that all of that happened pointing to Jesus. Everything was just but a shadow, but the bodies of Christ. I mean, I would understand you relating to me as a person... If I was around a corner with my shadow, as long as you don't see me, you know, if I was standing at a corner and the sun is shining on me and my shadow uh, is protruding outside uh, 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 for you to see and you're on the other, on the blind side, I would, I would understand if you looked at that and say, you know what, this is proof that there is a person. And that, that's what the types and the shadows were for the Old Testament saints. Just to point to Jesus that there is a person. Amen? But once I come out of the corner, how many of you know that it would be ridiculous for you to still try to talk to the shadow while I'm standing right there in front of you? Amen? And so when we try to keep all these things and we're trying to follow with all these things, man, the church does too much sometimes. And it is because we have not realized that the body is of Christ. Amen. You see abuses in the church. You see, you know, some pastors and teachers uh, of the word, it's sad to admit, but they want to add themselves, they want to give themselves a little rank next to Jesus at the cross. So they say, yeah, you can go to Jesus, but you also need my spiritual cover. You won't find that in scripture. This is why I let you do yours while I do mine. Because we're all accountable to Jesus. Amen? You know where abuse comes from? It comes from forgetting that the body is of Christ. And now we're trying to add to what Jesus did on the cross. How many of you know that Jesus plus something equals nothing? But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Amen? Amen? We shouldn't be obsessing. I remember uh, a few years ago, we would come here for prayer uh, with the man, you know, because my uh, belief is always that if we can get the man to commit to Jesus and to serve the Lord, man, we can change this uh, entire country and our entire continent. So we'd meet here every Tuesday for prayer, one hour, we'd pray, encourage each other, pray together about our families, about our businesses, and you know, things of that nature. And uh, there was one brother who used to come, and uh, I decided, you know what, let me give him an opportunity to lead us into a prayer. He looks mature. He looks like he's a, he would be a good fit for what we are trying to do. So we gave him an opportunity, and we told him, next Tuesday, you are going to lead us in prayer. And so we came, a bunch of us men, and uh, we came for prayer. And when we got here, he came in last. And when he walked in, he walked in with a prayer shower walks into the prayer shower and he walks in, he grabs the mic and he starts, you know, leading prayer with this prayer shower. I mean, it's inconveniencing him because it's coming off and he's trying to fix it, hold the mic. I mean, this thing is a mess. And so he led prayer and I just let him, you know, go ahead and lead prayer. And afterwards uh, uh, I came to him and I said, bro, what was that about? And he said, oh no, this one is a prayer shower. I use it when I pray. It's got 39 knots on it. <laughs> As if that's more important than Jesus saying, with my stripes you are healed. You're trying to add to, with his stripes we are healed, you're trying to add your 39 knots. You I mean, people are doing the most because they don't realize the body is of Christ. And then he proceeded to say, this one, I actually got it from Israel. And then he turned around and he said, you, have you been to Israel? And I said, no, I haven't, but I've been to Zimbabwe. (laughs) And I'm telling you, we don't need to add to what Jesus did for us on the cross. He said, it is finished. The artwork has been completed. Amen? And another way, they would use... Uh, This, which is my favorite, you know, I wrote a book called Grace in the Marketplace, is that they would say it is finished, tetelestai, in the marketplace. You know, trading for goods and uh, services. If you went to a bank and you got a loan to buy a house, let's say, you would also sign with it uh, uh, what they called a promissory note. I don't know if they still do that today, but you would sign a promissory note, uh, telling them and making a promise that I'm going to pay off this house by this date. And when you went back and made that final payment... They would then give you the promissory note, but then they would stamp on it, title aside, paid in full. And they would give you with it your mortgage, uh, your title deeds. So now you are uh, uh, an owner of a property in the land with those uh, documents. And so in the marketplace, uh, uh, you know, they would use it that way. You know, you have to honor your promissory note. How many of you know that when Jesus came to the earth, he gave God a promissory note, that I'm going into the earth to redeem humanity. And when he came and went to the cross and made the payment, he declared the promissory note has now been paid in full. There is no longer any indebtedness uh, on behalf of humanity if they put their trust in the payment that I've made. In fact, simply put, that's what faith is. Faith is putting your confidence and your trust in the payment that Jesus made at the cross. I used to think faith uh, was a feeling. You know, I used to think faith is a goose bump. It's a butterfly in the stomach, you know. You get into a fired up, charged up service. You sing the fast songs. And as you get into the slow ones, you start to get dizzy. You start to, oh yeah, faith is coming. Oh yeah. And then before you know it, faith is here. You start touching things and they're getting healed. No, that's not faith. Faith, simply put... Is having a confidence in the payment that Jesus made at the cross. If you have confidence in the payment that Jesus made at the cross, you're going to function at the highest level of faith. If I came to you uh, after service and I said, you know what? I just want to bless you with a holiday. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get on the internet and I'm going to book a vacation for you. If I came to you and I show you, hey, I'm booking a vacation for you. There it is, Tanzania. What's the place? Zanzibar. Is that where you guys went? Zanzibar. I'm getting a vacation for you, Zanzibar, and you're gonna fly South African uh, to go. Would you like to fly? South? Oh, let's change it. You're gonna fly uh, Emirates <laughs> to go to to go to to go to uh, Zanzibar. And here's the deal. I- I've paid for it, and let me email you the coupons. So I email you the coupons, and you receive them in your email. If you have confidence and trust in my character. My ability to back up my word and really the things that I've sent into your email, you're going to go home and start getting ready to go on vacation. You're going to get home, uh, pack some bags and say, hey, we are going on vacation. And you're going to drive to the airport and get to the check-in desk. What are you here for? I'm here to go to Zanzibar. You know why? Because you have confidence in my word. That's what faith is. Now, if you go to the airport and uh, the people at the check-in desk say to you, hey, we can't seem to locate your uh, booking here in the system. If you don't have confidence in the payment, you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, I knew it. Tafara is a liar. Let me... (laughs) And unfortunately, that's what some of you have been doing with the promises of God. God says you're healed and the doctor says, no, you're not. And you say, I knew it. God didn't really (laughs) heal this one. (laughs) The problem there is not doubt. The problem is you don't have confidence that the payment went through. You have doubts in Jesus' uh, uh, credit card uh, uh, balance. Amen? Amen. All faith is, is having a confidence and a trust in the payment that Jesus made at the cross. Amen? And if you do, and you go to that check-in desk, and they say to you, we can't find the booking. If you really have confidence in my character, and my ability to back up my word, you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, hey, I'm going to Zanzibar. Find it. Because I know that guy paid for it. And that's how you must approach your healing. I know Jesus already paid for it at the cross. Body, you're going to submit to that payment. I know there was no shortfall. He saved it at the cross, paid in full, and therefore I'm taking what's mine. Amen. Because I know Jesus didn't make a, a payment uh, that was short. Amen. In fact, some of you, if the people at the checking desk even attempt to tell you though, some of you would lose your anointing. Some of you, we know you. Some of you, you'd say, you know what? Actually, let me come around and work the computer. Because I am going to Zanzibar. I wish you did that with the promises of God. We would be so far ahead than where we are right now. I am getting healed. I am getting prospered. Because Jesus already paid for it. I am the righteousness of God through Christ. Amen. I said Amen. You know why? Because he paid for the Promissory Note. And here's what's awesome about paying for the Promissory Note was that he would not only take care of the debt, but you would walk out of the uh, uh, deeds office with a house. And that's what Jesus did. He overpaid. Not only are you getting your sins taken away from you, you're walking out with the righteousness of God. Not only are you getting poverty taken away from you, you're also walking out as the blessed of the Lord. You're walking out, man, stacked full with the promises of, you're laden with the promises of God that Jesus already paid for at the cross. When he said tetelestai, it meant paid in full. Jesus didn't make just one big deposit and now you have to keep up with the monthly installments. So he paid it in full in fact he overpaid it can i get an amen? amen now let's go quickly to john chapter number five but before we do that let's go to matthew matthew 27 from verse 48 to 51. <clears throat> thank you jesus matthew 27 from verse 48 to 51 it says immediately one of them ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine remember Uh, Jesus had drank sour wine and then he said it is finished. you remember the previous scripture we read? Now we're continuing but looking at it from Matthew's perspective. And Matthew says this. He says immediately one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. Next verse. The rest said let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Next verse. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. Now, you and I, we're putting these two scriptures together. We know exactly what he said when he cried out. He said, it is finished. He said, "Tenderless time. He said, paid in full, right? I said, right? Yes. And so it says he cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Next verse. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split did you see that it says the veil in the temple in the synagogue was torn from top to bottom now uh, the veil separated the place called the holy of holies where god's presence was and the holy place where men common men like you know the priests were allowed uh, to come into they were not allowed to come into the holy of holies but they would come into The holy place. And there was a veil that separated God's presence and the people. Because of what Adam did in the uh, garden, there was a separation between uh, God and his children. And when Jesus made such an awesome overpayment, it says that there was so much grace released that it tore the veil from top to bottom. The reason why he emphasizes top to bottom is he wants you to realize no one snuck in in the middle of the night with a scissors and cut it. It was supernatural. And in this part of the world, when you say veil, people are thinking of a lace. See-through lace. Like you can see God if you look hard enough. No, the thing that separated the holy place and the holy of holies was a 20 centimeter thick blanket which was about 50 to 70 meters high. So there is no way your Caesars could have cut this thing. It had to be the supernatural power of God. It says, Jesus said, paid in full, and there was such grace released that it tore by itself. And now common men could walk into the Holy of Holies and fellowship with their Heavenly Father. There was restoration and reconciliation, not because of what mankind did for God, but because of what Jesus did for mankind. And I'm telling you, when you start to accept that payment, you can walk right into the presence of God and fellowship with your Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen? Amen. You now have access. Someone say access. Access. I was saying in the first service, you know, uh, 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 I've never flown a business class. But is there anybody in here that has flown uh, economy? Anybody has flown economy? Let me see. Anybody? I know most of you fly business. Anybody has flown economy? <laughs> now, if you've flown economy, you know this, that when you reach altitude level, uh, the, the, the horse and the hostesses usually get up and they close the veil. <laughs> so that the people that are in economy have no access to what's happening in first class. You can't even see it. Now, I've never been to first class, but Trevor has been. He told me. When he was working for uh, one of the the companies he was working for, they had a policy uh, that, you know, if you're flying anything four hours or longer, you get to fly first class. So he called me and said, bro, I've been upgraded. I'm going into first class. So he went into first class and he flew. I think it was Germany or something. He flew back. He said, dude, I've flown that thing. I need to tell you what happens in there. (laughs) And Megan told me. He said, bro, it's different in there. I said, what happened? He said, in there, we have several options. You get to pick what you want to eat. Oh, yeah, let's stay there right for a minute. If you are in the economy, you don't get to pick what you want to eat. You you, you have almost, uh, uh, at most, two options, chicken or beef. They don't even tell you what kind of chicken it is, they just walk up chicken or chicken or beef. Chicken or beef. They don't even tell you, is it a chicken salad? Is it chicken stew? No, chicken or beef. And you know with the amount you paid, not to ask what kind of chicken is that? You see, when you're an economy, you have to be
0: humble.
1: And so you don't have much options. And you don't have an option. When it comes to when you want to eat. (laughs) They'll feed you when they're ready to feed you. Now when Jesus came and made the payment, He literally came to that veil that uh, 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 closed the economy section from the uh, first class section of the plane and ripped it apart and made an invitation. Hebrews chapter number 4 verse 16. He says, let us now come on in boldly into the throne room of grace where we can now obtain help, watch this, in times of need. Not when you want to feed me. Amen? And so with what Jesus did on the cross, he upgraded all of us to first class. In the Old Testament, we were all in economy, couldn't fellowship with God, couldn't go into the throne room of grace because if you made any silly move, you would be struck dead because you are going in in your own effort. If you had a pimple, you are gone. If you would sweat in the presence of God, you are gone. So not many people would make it into the presence of God. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, now I can get up from my economy class seat. And walk into first class. Someone shout, I'm a first class citizen of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Now, you and I are first class citizens, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He tore up that. But there are some Christians who still like economy. <laughs> Race is available, but there, there's a bunch of them in the body of Christ. They love it in economy. They love to wear track suits and woodies, and they just love to be there you know, and get comfortable. The first thing they do in economy when you get to your city is take off your shoes because you want to be as comfortable as you. This is what we're working with. <laughs> Man, I can literally go to the airport and tell you, first class, first class, Economy, 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 (laughs) guys, you have to almost wear pajamas to check in. I've got to be ready. This thing is not going to be, I've just got to be ready. But them boys who are flying first class, they can wear a suit. You know what? Because when they get on the plane, they are given pajamas. See, you didn't even know this. Their seats turn into beds. You didn't even know this. And so Jesus upgraded us into first class. You and I now function from a first class perspective. Amen. Amen. Uh, The one time, uh, Pastor Henry and myself, we were flying from Los Angeles to Qatar. And uh, so we got into uh, this plane and we were tired. So uh, we went to sleep. In fact, I took a sleeping pillow, so I went to sleep. And uh, when I woke up, I was hungry. I mean, I I was hungry. So I reached out to Henry. I said, bro, I'm hungry. When is the food coming? He looked at me. He said, man, I'm sorry. He said, what do you mean you're sorry? He said, ah, they fed the people one hour ago. Because in economy, when the food is gone, it's gone. It reminds me of a story in John uh, chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 9 of an impotent man. This guy had been crippled 38 years. Sitting at the pool of Bethsaida. And they asked him, they said, how come you're still crippled? Jesus asked him. He said, but how come you're still crippled? And he said, they feed us seasonally. No, he didn't say that. He said, there's an angel that comes seasonally and stirs the water. We have a jump scene first, gets healed. If you miss your opportunity, I'm sorry. Try next year. <laughs> this guy was living in economy. And when Jesus showed up, he said, look at me. Jesus was talking from a first class perspective. This guy was used to a economy class traditional religious section of the body of Christ. Not getting healed. See, if if I sit there two years and I don't get healed, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go find something else that works. No, two weeks. Sometimes you get into religion so much, man, you are just there, it's not working. But you are just there. I just go there. I just go to this church. I just want to be there. I just want to be there. But is it work? Are you getting results? No, I'm not. But I'm just going, man, come on. Let's get some fruit. Amen. 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 Let's find something that works. If it's not working, let's find something that works. And so Jesus is talking from a kingdom perspective First class citizen perspective, he said, look at me. Pick up your bed and walk right now. See, because in first class, you eat when you want to eat. You get healed when you're ready to get healed. You don't have to wait for the stirring of the water. You don't have to wait until a big preacher comes to town. See, that, that, that hit home right there. Right there. <laughs> you don't have to wait until you get a prophetic word. You can get it right now. You know why? Because when Jesus shows up, it's healing season. When Jesus shows, you already paid for it. See, in first class, they don't feed you when they want to feed you. You get to eat when you're ready. All you're working with is the menu. And when Jesus paid on the cross, he gave to you and I a menu. From the book of Romans to Jude, is what I like to call the new covenant menu. You can go in there and find out who you are, what you have, and what you can do. The only problem is can you read the menu? That's the only problem. Amen. The reason why we encourage people to go to Bible school is not because there's some uh, 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 magical thing. That's, all we encourage them to do is to go there so that they can be taught to read the menu. Because yeah, if you don't know how to read the menu, how are you going to order? Yeah. It's already yours. You're in first class, but you at least have to learn uh, uh, to read the menu, or at least understand the menu so you yeah. can order what's fitting for your life. Yeah, I grew up in abject poverty, and, and you know when, when I met my wife, she, grew up, she, she was on the other extreme of the, of the spectrum. I'm on the other extreme of the spectrum, okay? I'm, we were triple poor. They were, they were doing really well. So you know, we would go out to eat, and then while we were eating, man, I'm looking at this menu. I'm thinking, what in the world? And we're with friends. Now, I don't want to look like a fool. So I'm holding this menu. I'm thinking, what in the world does this thing... Leave casserole. What's case, case, casserole? And then she would just nudge me and say, Don't worry, I got you. It's just true." <laughs> I'd be like, Okay, okay. That's what I want. That's what I'm going to have. And sometimes you need a pastor that just comes and you're reading the Bible. Anointing. What's anointing? He says, Don't worry. It's just the power of God and it's available for you. Sometimes you just want to go to Bible school and you're thinking, glory, what is, glory? and you get someone that just nods you and say, man, it's just the heavy weightiness of God that's available for you. What is grace? And they just tell you. What is faith? And they tell you. And they teach you how to function in first. All you need is to learn how to function in first class. So you can start ordering for yourself. See, so We have a bunch of people that have made it to first class. But they're still trying to look for the pastor to order for them in first class. (laughs) Can you imagine flying Emirates, first class? You're still looking for someone to help you order the things that are already paid for in the ticket. And I'd rather teach myself to read so I can order for myself. And you know what's so awesome about learning how to order? That's how you evangelize. You order that red red lobster yep. for your religious friend who's still stuck in the economy. Yep. You grab that red lobster, you walk through state lines, and you go to the back You say, man, taste this. And you just <laughs> leave it to them. And then you walk back to first class.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then they are going to come to you and say, how did you do that? Yeah. And then you turn around and say, you know what? You can do it too. <laughs> Jesus already paid for it. It's a variable for you too. Jesus already paid for it. See, there's no need to get into doctrine or Bible debate. All you got to do is put a few lobsters on your table. In first class. And just leave them there. And people start looking over. And say, hey, is that red lobster? Is that crab? Ooh man, how did you do that? You say, let me tell you, you can do it too. And you start preaching the gospel to them. You know something else Trevor told me? He told me, he said, Pastor T, you know, as soon as you walk on to uh, first class, they give you little bottles with, uh, with champagne. You can get uh, uh, alcoholic champagne or non-alcoholic. I really encourage you to get non-alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> He says, you walk in, man, they already give you uh, uh, a champagne. And I say, why? He said, because they just want you to celebrate what? <laughs> it's first class living. <laughs> Celebrate before the plane even takes off. Before anything happens, we are ready. Cheers, cheers. You know why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice from the get-go. See, some of you are waiting for the breakthrough, its economy way of life. First-class citizens, start off with a celebration. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice. I'm already determined to have fun. You know why? Because I'm in first class. Man, it's awesome to realize that Jesus upgraded all of us into first class living. We don't have now to put up with seasonal blessings. We don't have to wait until the big preachers in town for us to see the blessing of God. No, we don't have to wait until the stirring of the water. No, 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 no. It's already available for all of us. All we have to do is to grab a hold of it. So that was the marketplace. It paid for it uh, for us. And prisoners would also use this word. uh, This word, uh, tetelestai, uh, when a Roman prisoner was convicted of a crime uh, and thrown into prison, you would get with it a certificate of debt listing all their crimes. This would be posted on their prison door so that anyone walking past would be able to tell that they were convicted and what they were convicted uh, for. But when they finished serving their sentence, the judge would write across it, Tetelestai, this was done to avoid double jeopardy so that they are not tried for the same crime twice. And so when Jesus went to the cross and he said paid in full, you are saying your prison sentence. You and I had a prison sentence hanging over our head. When he said paid in full, he was saying tetelestai, that prison sentence has been served. And you and I don't have to serve a prison sentence that's already been served. Amen? You don't have to get sick. Because Jesus served that prison sentence. Oh, I thought I was going to get an amen. Amen. You don't have to get poor because Jesus already served that prison sentence. Unless you want to. See Again, I have to say, we have a bunch of people that are walking right back into the prison of condemnation. Prison of trying to keep, keep up with the law. 613 of them. Should we eat pork? Should we not eat pork? And they're trying to get their salvation from... All. Man, I like pork. Pork ribs. I like pork ribs. <laughs> I was talking to uh, Junaid. Junaid, you know, uh, he was at Caris, uh I think two weeks ago. Junaid, he was there yesterday, actually. I was talking to him about his testimony of how he got born again. And his mom was Christian. His dad was Muslim. So he had to make a choice when he was about 12. So his mom told him, hey, Christian, no rules and regulations. If you are a Christian, it's not do, it's done. Over there, it's a lot of (laughs) do-doos. You're going to do a lot over there. And then he said, what about bacon? And his mom said, over here, you can have some bacon. Over there, there is no bagel. He said, "I'm Christian." <laughs> he said, "I don't need to think. I don't need to think about it any further. I am joining the club." You know why? Because it's already been paid for. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There is no longer a list of crimes on the doorpost of your life. You have received a cancellation of all debt. Therefore, you should not leave your life under condemnation. You should not let the devil trip you up. The reason why a lot of people in the body of Christ don't function in power is because they are constantly looking to self. So when someone calls you and they say, "Hey, I need prayer." I mean, I see you. They start looking to self to say, "Where am I going to get up? Will you give me power?" No. Will my reading of the Bible, keeping up with the, will it give me the power? No. With my fasting? No. What, with my church attendance? No. So, so what am I going to do? And then they realize I'm inadequate. Man, you should have realized that a long time ago. And so they stopped there. Instead of realizing I'm inadequate, but I'm not alone. I'm inadequate, but I've got Jesus. So guess what? I'm going to get some of that power from Jesus. The reason why we pray for the sick with such boldness is because we are standing on what Jesus paid for on the cross. The Bible says the righteous. Who are the righteous? Watch this, watch this, watch this. Some people are like, no, pastor, no, no, I'm not righteous. You don't become righteous by what you do. You are declared righteous. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And when you start realizing that you are the righteousness of God, there's going to be a boldness that comes up on you to disregard all your good works and all your bad ones. Because if you start relating to life according to all your good works, the bad ones are going to trip you up. Amen. If you're consistently comparing yourself to somebody else, oh, at least, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm light, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a yellow bone, at least. (laughs) When you start living yourself that way, the bad works are going to trip you up. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you have a receding airline. So you're enjoying one, but yeah, now you see now. (laughs) Talking about myself. It's going to trip you up. So you should never relate to life from your good works or your bad works. Mm. You should relate to life from Jesus' works. And when you relate to life from Jesus' words, you are ever ready for anything that comes. You're ready to pray for people. You're ready to bless people. Man, you're ready to go. Because it's not your power. It's Jesus' power. Amen? In closing, Colossians 2, uh, verse 14. Let me give you uh, the assurance uh, that there is no longer any prison uh, sentence hanging over your head. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements... That was against us, which was contrary to us, and he was take. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Let me read it in the NIV, if you don't mind. Thank you, Jesus. NIV, please. Having cancelled, did you see that? It says Jesus, cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Man, if there is a way to live your life, it is to live your life looking at the cross. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Did I help you? Someone shout, I'm free. In Jesus'
0: name. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today
1: we walk by faith and not by sight faith hill
0: that's who-